Welcome to the Modern Ministry Podcast, where we discuss key issues in contemporary ministry. The Modern Ministry Podcast is a weekly podcast put on by the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity at Liberty University. I'm your host, Jack Carson, and in today's episode, we have Dr. Rusty Small, a key leader in church revitalization here in Virginia, talking to Dr. Troy Temple about key lessons that church leaders are learning about doing ministry in the age of the coronavirus. Well, Dr. Small, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, so, Dr. Rusty Small, you are on faculty here at, at the School of Divinity, uh, teaching in biblical studies, uh, I believe uh, a biblical theology class, uh, some intro classes in, in Old New Testament, sometimes theology. You kind of got a whole spread of opportunities, I know. Uh, and then you also are, are pastoring full-time uh, right down the road here in one of the most historical cities in the state of Virginia, Appomattox, and uh, at Liberty Baptist Church, and which is your home, Appomattox is, and the church is your home church. And It's not my home church. It's not your home church. Yeah, but okay. I've been there for almost 15 years. 15 years, but Appomattox is home. Right. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a pretty unique experience, I know, for you to be able to see uh, an opportunity here at university, but as well just the, the growing fruit that is that's being realized through Liberty Baptist and in your own hometown. Uh, I know many of us think about doing ministry in our hometowns, and, you know, uh, it, it's a struggle sometimes. Because, it's a journey. Because they knew you win, win you know, and, and that win wasn't always as an upstanding citizen, especially during probably the teenage years and maybe even during the childhood years. Uh, you know, the other aspect of, of one of the things that, that I know you bring to the table that really helps us as a, as a school here at the university and really across the landscape of our, our mission and purpose, which is to come alongside the church in its quest to fulfill the Great Commission, is that you've continued to, to really push through with uh, initiatives through the Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia and focusing in on church revitalization. Right. And I know you've had opportunity to, to establish, um, I know what you've called cohorts around the state to where you're not just pouring into them, you're helping connect them so they can serve and encourage one another and see those those churches even flip around and start to thrive. So um, now everything we're going to talk about today, at least most of it, the, the, the kind of the core of that comes from some of those interactions you've had with those cohorts and those churches, correct? That's right. Over the last uh, three years, I've worked uh, reasonably hands-on with almost 30 churches in every region of Virginia. Okay. And uh, we're learning a lot. Uh, most of the churches are seeking revitalization. Um, some have started the process and some had not started the process. And so kind of in learning communities, right. uh, we're learning from one another. Uh, we, we meet via technology or physically uh, face-to-face every two months wow. within these cohorts. And we learn along the way. And a lot of what uh, we'll talk about today came right from the local church, right from pastors and church leaders on the ground that are trying to lead and adjust through the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, and I think one of the things we can really learn from, from our discussion today in, 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 in these churches is, uh, is going to be realized in the fact that, well, from what you just stated, in that they are in the process of wanting to re, you know, uh, just reinvigorate, give new life, and revitalize a congregation in a community, not just so there's more people coming, but so there's effectiveness for the sake of the, the kingdom and the gospel. And that 
displays itself in various various manners and and different scope uh, depending on the community. And I and and what's what 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 we're really seeing here in our discussion is an intersection, I think, of the reality of what we're living in right now and the journey these churches either had recently begun or just now starting. And so when you talk about meeting face-to-face and then also meeting uh, via video, uh, every church on the planet is now grappling with that, and many have done such a fantastic job. Uh, new ministries are, are burgeoning in, in ways that, that have, have not been realized up until this point. And so it's, uh, the, the, the crisis has, has really birthed an, an, an innovation across the, 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 the span of the body of Christ. So, but as we, as we get, think through uh, where we are with COVID-19 and this crisis, and that is wreaking havoc in people's lives, there is no, there's no doubt, uh, some in the most substantial ways physically uh, and grieving the loss of, of dear loved ones and those who are struggling um, through the, the, the health of, of facing coronavirus and, and, and the effects. And, and on top of that, it's compounded the mental health concerns, uh, a lot of isolation, and the church has got to be there to respond. And in response, uh, we've talked on several other uh, episodes of the podcast here for the Modern Ministry Podcast about how the church is now being scattered. And at one point, I even mentioned that sometimes it's a scattering. Other times, we need to see ourselves as being sent because that's, in some manner, that's really what this is. Because scattered sometimes makes it sound like we were surprised and God was surprised. We were surprised, but God wasn't surprised. And in His plan, we are truly being sent, as we are without COVID. And uh, so, what what are some things, uh, just in general? Give me a, a kind of an overall summary of of some of the. The feelings or the uh, the impressions, the the just the, the the dynamic that is seeming to be manifested through some of these churches in your experience with uh, the leaders. Well, it's hard to believe that it was only a few weeks ago that all church leaders were preparing for Easter Sunday. Yeah, as normal, they were just thinking through their schedule. They were holding their staff meetings. This was not on my radar, and I'm not sure there was on any other pastor's uh, radar. So I think the f- the first thing the pastors are telling me is almost a surreal moment wow. that this is happening. Yeah. Um, many of us in Virginia winters are used to a few snows uh, <laughs> and missing a few Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't spoken to any pastor because there's no pastor alive who has been through a crisis like this, where we literally will miss maybe months of church. Right. So I think the initial response was they couldn't believe it happened. I think secondarily, uh, pastors are in the process of adjustment to this reality, but they're also coming to terms, there are plenty of things to learn. Um, And this is forcing some pastors to go to places that they were thinking about going, and now they're forced to get there very soon, especially with the use of technology. Uh, just on a very basic level, some uh, older pastors who are my friends uh, are setting up their first ever Facebook account, yeah. which um, 
Uh, Welcome and, to 2020. Well, and some rural churches <laughs> are trying to get a reliable internet connection. Now, that sounds very bottom shelf, but it's very real it is. considering that the majority of churches in America are still under 200 people. Right. Many of them are under 100 people. Uh, they don't have people to run cameras. They don't have tech guys. Mm -hmm. They don't have social media managers and, and pastors, which is creating their own level of anxiety are having to either figure out how to get online or disappear right. for these next few weeks. So it's it's you know, a difficult one of, our, one of our episodes, I think it was another pastor that shared, you know, what what the accountability question uh, with our Savior can't be, uh, I wasn't able to connect and do the mission of the church because we couldn't meet right. or because we didn't have an internet connection or because I, I, I really wasn't able to understand how to navigate technology or, you know, and you can add to the list. That's not going to be an acceptable answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so what are pastors, what are you seeing? How, how are pastors learning when it comes to leadership development? They're, are they seeing new opportunities for this? And what, what are those, you know, what do those look like? Well, leaders are typically revealed in a crisis. Correct. When when things get difficult, you typically see who's able to rise to the occasion and who cannot. Mm -hmm. So none of one of the beautiful things is since we're not doing church as normal, uh, there are those in the church who were lesser leaders or not leaders at all that some pastors are saying wow, this person is actually stepping up to lead through this crisis. Mm -hmm. So I would say two major things. One, leaders are being identified in, in churches because this is giving a unique opportunity for them to step up. Mm -hmm. Also, um, it's, it's opening up new avenues from mercy ministries that they didn't, like making actually medical supplies, like masks. Like it's opening up new avenues, new connections mm -hmm. uh, to creative, other creative options, like trying to figure out how to do drive-in church, which is happening all over right. uh, the nation. So right. uh, new leaders, new opportunities. And when you shake things up, mm. you know, new people emerge and new ministries emerge that could continue to be very fruitful into the days ahead. And with the uh, the burgeoning uh, offerings of online worship services, exactly. which come with its own set of, of responsibilities, learning curves, uh, you know, uh, resource allocations uh, that add to the whole, you know, responsibility of, of pastoral leadership. And in many cases, especially like you said, the majority of our churches around the country are under 200, Yes, which also means... Uh, that they don't have multiple full-time staff. Right. Uh, some of them don't have any full-time staff, right. of course, because of the size. And the pastor's bivocational at best and sometimes completely volunteer. And with that, uh, add into it the opportunity to, to, to identify and then capitalize on the new leadership development opportunities. This will stack up pretty quick, but it's also opened us up to a, a huge community of collaboration among the body of Christ. And so we can share with each other in that sense. Well, two things I would say. One, if, the, if a pastor can harness technology in many ways through online services and through daily devotionals, the pastor can be much more connected. They can, I mean, you, the people in your congregation can hear from you almost every day if they want to. Right. Um, also, if we could harness video conferencing, 
we could see more members face to face virtually than we ever throughout had. the week. So there there are a lot of lot of wonderful things happening. And what I what I've found even personally by telling people they anytime you tell somebody they can't do something, they want to do it. Right. Um, there's in the absence of having physical church community, mm-hmm. I've seen a, an appreciation for church community. People are saying, wow, I really miss going to church every week. And to some of those folks who go to my church, I say, we didn't come every week. Right. <laughs> you know? right. But they're, they're, they're thinking, wow, this was much more important in my life than I actually thought it was now that I can't do it. So we're hoping that that will also create a, a real hunger when we're able to gather again physically, that there might be a reprioritization and, right. and and the gathering together in physical presence will become more priority. You know, there was a day when uh, I remember early on in ministry for me, uh, I would take a list when I was doing uh, student ministry full time. And uh, I had a volunteer and then I had a full time staff member that would give me a list every day of about somewhere in the in the realm of 12 to 24 names. I'd always say, give me more than I'm going to get to because I don't want to run out. And I lived in a town where I had about a 20 to 25-minute commute to and from the office there at the, at the church. And then, of course, we were in student ministry. I was connected with different campus activities and trying to connect with students and volunteers throughout the, in, in various evenings. But I would always pick up the phone and make a phone call. We don't make phone calls anymore. Uh, in fact, sometimes we get a little put off by phone calls and we want, you could have just emailed me. You could have just sent me a text. I, I, I didn't want to pick it up, but are we seeing more opportunity and are more pastors and more people in the communities that we're connected to? Are they more apt to just pick up the phone and have a phone call now? Well, I know many churches, uh, especially with their more elderly members, they're maybe for the first time really calling them on a weekly basis to check in on them. Right. And I'm hearing stories that, especially some of the members who really appreciate a phone call, which are often older members, um, um, they're getting more ministry now Mm -hmm. through being connected uh, because the pastor has, I know some pastors don't like when I say this, but they have to have less to do right now, you know, because right. uh, traveling around your normal schedule cannot exist. Right. So you've had to slow things down on some level, even if you're filling it back up. And I know some some pastors, ministry leaders are being very strategic right now to just create a call list mm-hmm. and just check in. Uh, not only is that a pastoral function, it's actually a health function, you mm-hmm. know, for right a wellness uh, type check. Right, a wellness check on on vulnerable church members. So that's good. That's happening, um, and all over the all over the state of Virginia, I'm aware. So as we innovate, sometimes we just need to step back and go, wait a minute, let's not overcomplicate this. Um, you, you know, I, I like this idea of not overcomplicating it. In some ways, the COVID nineteen crisis has flattened the playing field. Mm-hmm. Because now every church has to figure out if they're going to do an online service, how they put their service in that little teeny box mm-hmm. that appears on your phone. Mm-hmm. And, and the other things that can come with kind of a big production church 
they, that struggles when there's no live audience. So I'm, I'm, I, there's a flattening out from the smaller church pastors trying to figure out how do I even make an online service right. to larger church pastors thinking, well, the way we were doing it has to be readjusted mm-hmm. and in some ways simplified to make it look more appropriate in this moment, to be more appropriate in this moment. So really everybody's learning and in some ways it's flattening the field. Which and the I accessibility think is, yes. is there for everybody. Exactly. Uh, you know, obviously there are certain uh, resources and the backdrops and all the extras that come with a production. It, it can vary and fluctuate sure. depending on the resources. But at the end of the day, uh, if you've got a blank wall and a camera, exactly. you can connect with your folks and, 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 and help them stay connected and encourage them, disciple them, instruct them, pray for them while you're on the video, uh, which I know a lot maybe right. initially that feels a little bit you know, awkward or, or not completely you know, set, but it's amazing what will happen in the responses you'll get when you spend time praying. And when you're on that, even though others may see it, and you're praying for your for your own congregation and for their needs and prayer requests they maybe have listed in a chat window or sent you an email or a phone call, uh, you're calling out the name that and the need to, to our Savior that everybody's going to hear. I mean, the, the stage now has really magnified um, in, a, in a way that we it's hard to quantify at this point. Well, let's talk a little bit about evangelism. You yeah. know, um, I know it's hard to really figure out how many people are watching online services because many of us just flip through our phones and we just glance at a lot of different videos. But I I cannot think, I I have to believe, and, and I feel like I have good data, that during the time the churches are shut down, quote unquote, more non Christians are actually attending our churches virtually than ever before. And I know from my own, uh, the church where I pastor, I have the absolute metrics to prove that that is the case, that there are many either marginal Christians or non-Christians viewing services. So there's an awesome evangelistic opportunity there. I think the next challenge, so we've met the first challenge, they've heard us, how do then we do follow-up ultimately discipleship through an online platform. I think that's one of the things that we have to really lean into because evangelism, the internet is the new front door, not only of businesses, but of houses. Yes. You know, so many pastors of the last generation did the door-to-door visitation. There still may be an appropriateness of that in some contexts, but the new front door now are people's social media uh, we've been doing a lot of connecting on social media. Now it's bringing them in, uh, following up, discipling them through a social media platform, which right. I think is very possible. It, it, and, it's, and it's somewhat ironic because when we use technology, most of the time in, in various applications, we're speeding up a process. Mm. But really what we're seeing because of the dynamic of, of probably, and I think this is one of the things that comes out of the list of things that you've, you've gleaned from, from these cohorts and these pastors here in the state of Virginia, is that, is that we've eliminated other things, so we've slowed the pace of discipleship probably to a healthy pace. And, and are, are, do you think we're able to recalibrate our expectations to a more reasonable expectation? 
Well, I, I would love for on some level, you know me, so mm-hmm. I can't make the case for living a slow life. No, that's okay. true. That's true. But I can certainly make the case for living a well-ordered life to know where my priorities are, to know what is most important. Right. And I think that's that's critical. You know, the best teacher is modeling for people, showing them how to do it. And uh, w- one thing I know I'm being impressed upon in my own pastorate right now, people have seen me preach. Mm-hmm. But they haven't quite seen me in a social media platform do a daily devotion. Right. And I think one of the, you know, discipleship is a slow process. I agree with you. It's, you know, two steps forward, one step back for mm-hmm. many of us. Mm-hmm. If if pastors would just model on social media, mm-hmm. this isn't me preaching a sermon this is just kind of the way I meet with the Lord every day mm-hmm. um, and bringing your congregation into that moment. I think they'll learn a great deal right. about how they can do it. Because sometimes you watch a pastor have a devotion and it can be 50 minutes long, mm-hmm. it can be brief, it can be to the point, And you go, well, I can do that. I mean, is, is that all it requires? Yeah. And the simple answer is, Yes, a little bit every day will create a, a a great deal over time. The fruit of cumulative investment exactly is really unrealized in, in in our modern expression of doing ministry. And then this now new situation is is going to help us realize what the, the power behind that. You know, one of the things I saw when when you shared some of the content is that there's a need for secure and easily utilized online giving. Uh, during this time. And there's no doubt that we have to press into that because you're not dropping anything in a plate. Right. I know that some churches have, have given the opportunity to have drive-by and you can still drive by, put your, you know, put an envelope in a box and somebody will check it. Um, I don't know that the, the giving part is, is one hurdle to, to, to navigate. Uh, but I think the, the piece behind that is the question that I would want to ask. How do you cast vision for the giving when, especially in those churches of 200 or less, or maybe even 500 or less, uh, there's, a, there's a perception in, in the lives of, or the minds of church members who are consistent faithful givers, but what are our real needs now? Uh, we're not having to worry about the electricity and the plumbing. I mean, in a small way, yes, because the use has gone down, but it's still got to stay connected. But what are the real needs, and how do you cast vision for where you are? I mean, somebody still has a salary and a means to to be freed up as a staff member or even facility workers. You know that you you contract with someone that's going to take care of the property, and that's that's been minimized. How do you cast vision towards giving? So we've got to get them to get online, but then before they get online, why why are they giving? Well, I'm really glad you brought up the the, the topic of giving. Mm-hmm. The best time to teach finances to church members and to people is when they're concerned they might be broke. That's good. That's, that they're really ready to lean in. Uh, it was a great joy the first Sunday that this happened as a pastor to be able to say, um, we as a church have planned for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. We are not so over leveraged that in two weeks, we'll have to slash staff, default on our mortgage. We have, as a church, thought about 
financial planning. That was very nice for me to be able to say that. The, at the, that was the first impulse I was able to say, we were ready for this day. Now, we can't do this forever, sure. but we were ready for this day. Mm-hmm. That, I think, makes the people who are going to give to your church say, well, they must be wise with money. I'll give them more. Okay. Okay. I think that's that's one. Also, ministers in their own finances mm-hmm. also need to be thinking about a rainy day. You you will not do for the church that which you don't do for yourself. Correct. So I think that's very important. Uh, thirdly, you're still doing ministry in this moment. I can only say for um, Liberty Baptist, Appomattox, almost on day one, when the governor said the school system will be closed, Liberty Baptist, we feed 51 children in Appomattox County who have inadequate nutrition over the weekend. When this crisis happened, 51 went to like 160, uh, 163, mm. like this. I mean, very quickly. So the, the, the superintendent of the school calls us and says, we have to scale up your nutrition ministry, which meant at that moment, I had to raise an additional $25,000. My word. And in three weeks, we raised it. Praise God. Okay. Uh, and, And the church saw that we were diving into this. We were set up for this. All we needed is a little more money to buy more food. Um, so you know, the idea that you're not doing ministry at this moment is is wrong. You have to just show the church, we were ready for the rainy day. Uh, we're still engaging in ministry and we're doing the best we can through this time period. And also, I, I have to say one more thing about finances. This also assesses the maturity of your members. It does. It does. A, a mature member realizes bills still come even during the shutdown. If you have trained your church, as long as the show happens, you pay for the show. Okay. Well, then the show stops and so do ticket sales. That's right. Okay. That's not a very good church model. Okay. The, the model that we are a family, mm-hmm. this, is, this is our community. This is the place from which we minister. I don't think you're going to have a financial problem unless everyone loses their job. Right. And then, well, we'll figure it out right. at that particular right. moment. And, and then during a time like this, there are new ministry opportunities that yes. never existed. Yes. And, and you find those and you need to be able to respond to those. And yes. so you, you keep the church needs to stay fiscally nimble. Yes. to be able to address those those key issues. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, I think are, are new on the landscape of doing church ministry, and many people are chalking this up to this situation that we're in, but are there things that we're, we're engaging in now that, that really have, we've been, it's been thrust upon us, but they're really things that, honestly, this crisis has, has uncovered and, and sh- should be things that we press into for the long term, even beyond this crisis. And I think the utilization of technology. Uh, I can't help. I, I do enjoy church history. Yeah. Um, you just read the history of American Christianity mm-hmm. and what made, in some ways, um, previous generations very successful, uh, open air mm-hmm. um, with radio, 
you know, was Certainly. what what put yep. put some yep. spread the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, TV ministries right. spread the gospel, um, and welcome to the 21st century and the the age of social media, the internet, uh, etc. Which has been around us which now has been for around about for 20 years time. or more, but now it's becoming a uh, a tool we got to lean on. Well, we should have been. We should appropriately leverage technology and and any tool mm-hmm. uh, to the glory of God with appropriateness. I, I do hope that we we don't fully substitute. Um, there are many wonderful things that technology allows us to do in the church, but we still are the gathered people of God. Correct. Okay, so we have to figure out how to leverage technology to the glory of God, leverage social media to the glory of God for the purpose of creating Christ-formed disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, but the church is still a gathered community at the end of the day, and, and we have to just figure out both. One that I, one that I think um, in small groups, mm-hmm. I think we ought to blur, blend uh, as appropriate, actual groups and virtual groups. Right. You know, as people travel and they have to travel, mm-hmm. uh, have your small group and through a video conferencing, some type of platform, bring in people virtually as well as actually. I, I think that probably ought to remain because it will keep people right. more connected. And th- in fact, those are some of the things we're thinking about here as a school as we move forward and, and look towards the day where we may be able to have classes back in a physical room, but how do we then blend those opportunities right. we've used right now to connect with our students? And I think too, there's an overlay of, uh, of, of concepts, you know, in crisis, people are scattered in community, people are gathered. Right. And, and, and so that's why in the midst of crisis, those who have been a part of community are still finding opportunity to gather right. through technology. Uh, that then presses back into when we when we do have that opportunity to come back together, that community should pull us together, uh, even physically, uh, in in the same place. And I agree with you. We can't we can't you know sell off the the physical gathering because we are the church gathered uh, in a local community. Yes, uh, there's a universal church, but that is expressed in the body. The body of Christ is expressed in local manifestations of that in every community, and so. It's important for us to do that. I think maybe we finally are beginning to leverage what is out there in technology for the sake of original mission, uh, which is what we've been told to do from the beginning, uh, that we're to, we're to subdue the earth and use it and, and ultimately use it to the glory of God and for the, for the you know, sake of his kingdom and, and the gospel. So, well, thank you for spending some time with us. You know, I know we, we, we've had about, I know, 19 things on this list, and, and there's probably, and as you said before, in, in, before this is not an exhaustive list. And uh, uh, is this going to be available? Uh, some yes. of the stuff that we talked about, we're going to make this available. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be published in a blog um, uh, very soon, I think, with the Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia. So for those that are listening, there's a lot more to this. Uh, than we had time to cover today. But thank you for spending some time here and being an encouragement to to me, to uh, the University School of Divinity, but even more importantly to the body of Christ. Well, amen. You know, we hope that uh, that uh, what we share really does encourage pastors. You know, uh, we're all in it together. All brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. are locking arms to meet this moment with the love of Christ, uh, yeah. with the good news of Jesus. And uh, we know his church will be triumphant. 
and uh, we just are trying to be faithful. Amen. He's alive. Amen. Thank you very much. You just listened to the Modern Ministry Podcast put on by the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity at Liberty University. Please reach out to us at www.liberty.edu forward slash divinity if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and let us know if there's a pressing issue in your ministry that we should address in this podcast.